You're listening to Flaunt, Find Your Sparkle and Create a Life You Love After Infidelity or Betrayal. Have you been betrayed by life, your body, or someone that you love? You're not alone. No matter what you've been through, Naked Self-Worth helps you regain confidence, joy, and enthusiasm so you can create a life you love and flourish. Tune in weekly and learn how. Hello, welcome to Flaunt. Find your sparkle and create a life you love after infidelity and betrayal. Today, we have got a relationship expert on the show. And when I say relationship expert, you have no idea what kind of a relationship expert this is. Kendra Kunoff has been studying, facilitating, and practicing, which is truly the most important part, authentic relating. Not just like, oh, I'm going to say this, and then you're going to say this, and we're going to get a date, and it's going to be great. No, 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 no. She takes a deep dive into authentic relating and embodiment practices. She is truly an expert at deep intimacy work, and she has been doing this kind of work for over 15 years. She's worked with thousands of men, women, and couples in the area of embodiment intimacy, communication, and full self-expression. And as you know, those are the things that we all crave, but we don't know how to get. So we're going to take a deep dive with her on all things deep, intimate, connected. And we're also going to talk about Two topics that I think are very important, especially when it comes to recovering from infidelity and betrayal, boundaries, and feeling that intense longing for love, that intense connection, but also being afraid at the same time. So with that, welcome to the show, Kendra. It's so wonderful to have you as a guest. Thank you so much. Yeah, it's wonderful to be here. Yeah. Okay. Let's, let's kind of start with this whole longing piece, this intimacy piece, this, this embodied piece, this, this kind of idealized version of what we all want, but we don't even really know what that means or how to get it. Let's start there. What, how does, how does that work? Hmm. Gosh, that's a, that's a great question. And um, I'm going to link it to something you said in the intro when you first said expert, there's that little part of me that wants to cringe. And then I thought like what the, the distinction that I would draw about where I, you know, sit on this, if you will, is that, is that for each of us, I think part of what allows us to, to have expertise, if you will, in the area of relationship actually is the willingness to be with the unfolding. Mm. It's And that often requires uh, developing capacity to be with the unknown because when we're really in the the unfolding of relationship again whether that's a conversation like you and I are having right um, sort of like what's going to happen next <laughs> and, right. and without knowing like yes this is how I respond or this is you know this is the intimacy or this and sort of like what is actually there to me that's really the intimacy and, and so, you know, like always in some way, the only part we really have quote unquote control, if we have control at all, mm-hmm. is with ourselves. And it's wonderful when we're met with another person who likes to be in that unfolding also. But again, when we bring it back to ourselves and longing yes. is such a big part of that. Um, and I, I really think it's true for humans, but I definitely think it's, it, 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 it exists in that way, or it's felt in that way by women in particular. And it is often actually not so much the longing itself or the what it is that we want or that we have desire, but it's that it's uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable Mm -hmm. to feel those feelings. It's uncomfortable to feel them and not know if we will get what we want or if it will be met. And that's part of what then leads us to go, oh, it has to look just like this. And that's how, or, or, oh, someone will show up and if they're the right person or they do it the right way, then I won't feel this uncomfortable feeling anymore. Yes. 
Yeah, you nailed that because you're right. There's a beauty in that longing, but there's a lot of fear in that. And then what if, what if it, whatever it is, shows up mm-hmm. and it doesn't exactly look like what I thought it was supposed to look like? Then what? Do I allow myself to go with it and be happy or do I push it away and wait until it looks perfect? Yes. Which I can only imagine for your listeners has like its own particular nut, if you will. Um, and I, and I think it's so important to name and to honor that, you know, that to take, this is like a particular kind of trauma, right. An infidelity or betrayal or, um, like, um, uh, what's the word, but I don't want to, there's something other than lies, but you know, when you think things are one way and they're another way like that, it has its own particular kind of, uh, trauma to it. And so it's so important. I, I believe, you know, to not say like, Oh, just, you know, just be with the longing or just go with the, you know, and to really honor, like it is, it is scary. And there is actual, um, trauma is such a loaded word, but there are these threads to untangle and they are unique for each person who's had that experience. And I do believe that part of that process can, I don't know if I want to say must, but, but certainly can include, oh, I'm afraid and I'm, and I'm, I'm willing to stay here anyway, or I'm a, I'm a, I can, I can, you know, both look around me in the present moment, but also I can recognize who this person is and I can go, I'm afraid. And I think it's actually safe or mm-hmm. it's safe enough for, to lean in, in this way. Yes. I, I, yes, very well said, because when you've experienced that infidelity or any kind of a betrayal, you start not trusting yourself. Yes. Yeah. So when is it safe enough to lean in and when is it a red flag and I am not honoring myself and I'm selling out and I'm leaning into something that's not healthy. That's a tough boundary to identify. Well, what I really want to underscore is what you said, where you said you you start not trusting yourself because so often, and I, you know, I hear this all the time, not even necessarily in betrayal, but that I don't trust that something about, I want them to be trustable. Are they trustable? And so often it really, and I would say almost always, not always, right. It comes down to like, but wait, do I trust myself first? Do I trust myself to be able to tell? Mm-hmm. Right. How, and, and so that becomes, again, this inward journey rather than this looking for what does the person going to look like, act like, be like. But also um, I have found is also this place of like, and do I trust myself even if it doesn't go the way I want it to? Yes. Do I trust myself to meet the next moment? Absolutely. Because we, in that quest for safety, we Mm -hmm. think that if we only learn enough that Mm -hmm. nobody can ever hurt us again. And that's something that I hear from a lot of my women too. Okay. My partner betrayed me. Now I'm stronger. Now we have repaired the relationship. Now we're moving forward. But what if my partner does it again? Yes. You will be okay. Yeah. And it's a very tricky thing. I mean, this is, this is actually so beautiful um, because I believe it's like that, that capacity to uh, that inward place and whether we, whatever we're touching on, when we go, can I trust myself where we go inside ourselves, right. And touch that place. It only really happens in the present moment, right? We're here. We have to be here. And so when I'm, when I'm asking myself the question, will he do it again? It's not that it's a silly question or that we can say it will, or it won't happen, but is to notice, oh, I have now left this place where I actually exist. Mm. And I have sort of tripped, you know, maybe one day, maybe five years, right. But sort of, I've tripped into the future to a place that does not actually exist. And I cannot, I cannot find my own place of self-trust in that place, because I'm not there. Absolutely. Absolutely. And the direction goes both ways. Also when you're reliving the past, but he, but he, but he, we were different then. 
You are different that you can't go back and rewrite that, but what is happening right now? Yes, It, it is really what's happening. And, and it, so, so again, this is this interesting place too, where I will often tell people that our own behavior is actually like, I look at our own behavior, not am I good or am I bad? But if I cannot stop perseverating on the past, that that it doesn't mean that they are not trustable. They might not be. I mean, I I was in a relationship where the person was not acting trustably, but also my own behavior. Like if I looked at it and went, this is actually unacceptable. Me sneaking into his cell phone account, me like these things that I'm like, okay, if I cannot stop doing these things, that's more important than actually what he is or he isn't doing. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. Because that's what I love about this inward journey. We have, we have to know ourselves and we have to stand in our own integrity before we can relate to somebody else. And is that the kind of person that you want to be? It's not the kind of person that I want to be. I don't want to be paranoid. I don't want to be somebody's mother or babysitter. Yes. I can't stand in my integrity and be in my truth. Then this might not be a relationship that I can handle. Yes, exactly. Oh my God. It makes me so happy to hear that coming out of somebody else's mouth. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) And so that place again, and it might be true, right? It might be true that you can't trust them, but again, it's our own behavior that points to that place of like, okay, I need to take a step back and there's something else either. This isn't the relationship for me, or there's some, there's something else that I need to do in order to create that kind of container that is, that feels safe enough for me to again, rest into. Yes. Yes. One of the things that I appreciate so much about your work is just that, that we have this longing, we have this desire for a relationship, but when we jump straight to the relationship, we put the cart before the horse, you know, you've got something that's the no man diet. You talk mm-hmm. about boundaries. We can't have that until we have ourselves. Why do you think it has gotten so kind of backwards in our society that we don't build ourselves up first. We just seek somebody else who, who is going to be the most trustworthy, who's going to make us act responsibly, who is going to make us act as our best selves. Yes. Yeah. That's a great question. I don't know if I have an answer for why has it gotten backwards? Um, or maybe and was I, it ever I, not backwards? Is it always? Yeah, I sort of like, we don't really know. I mean, I would say that it really is. And that, again, that's one of the things that I'll often say is, is act as though. Uh, and again, it's not about pretending about the other person or pretending that something isn't true for us. But if I were being loved the way that I want to be loved right now, all the way from how would I be acting? How would I be behaving? How would I be relating? But like, how would I be breathing? You know, how would my, how would I actually be in my body? What are, and it, and it does help to take that thing that, that is sort of backwards and flip it around where we go, oh, if I was being loved in all the right ways, there are all these things that often unconsciously we do attach to it. It's kind of like a, like a, like a, I mean, it's, it's, it's a funny analogy on this show right now, but it's like those things they put at the back of a car after someone gets married and drag yeah. along behind, but we yeah. sort of unconsciously drag all these things. Not only, you know, will I be happy relationally and will we have the family that we want or something, but it's like, but, and I will feel confident and I will feel happy and I will be relaxed and I will be able to do all the things that I want to do in my life. And we sort of unconsciously tag that onto when I'm being loved the way that I most deeply desire to be loved. Mm-hmm. And so it is this beautiful place, again, to not negate anything that's like, oh, that actually doesn't work for me. I mean, if I'm being loved in all the ways I want to be loved, I can say to the person, you know, I don't like that. Exactly. <laughs> if I feel safe enough, I can say like, actually, I would like it this way. Or, I, you know, I need us to talk about this or I'm feeling scared. Or so if I'm truly being loved in those ways, there isn't, there isn't the withholding. And so really taking on that stance, if I was truly being loved in all the ways I most deeply long to be loved, how is it that I imagine I would be feeling, behaving, creating, what would I be doing in my life? And again, all the way down to like, how would I be moving in my body? Mm -hmm. I love the embodiment piece. 
And I want to put a little pin there because I want to circle back around to it. And I just want to say some things that I think might be in some listeners' minds. Mm. And I want to call that out because it's okay (laughs) if it's in your mind. As you're saying all that, and then I will, I think one of the things that comes up because I hear it is, and then I will, then I won't have to work. Then it'll all be taken care of. And I won't have to say the hard things because he'll know. Yes. Yes. And I just want to call that out because if you're thinking that there's no shame around that, there's no embarrassment around that. We all get to that point where we just want this magic Prince Charming to be like, I know your every wish. I know your body. I know your heart. I know. But to also lovingly say it's not going to happen. Yeah. And it's really, it's such a beautiful thing. Um, I mean, this is, this is a lot of what the no man diet is actually about Mm -hmm. because I do, I believe this is like, this is a gift that we ultimately can give the people in our lives that we love and not just our intimate partners, right? Like I am staying at my best friends right now. We've known each other since we were babies and there are still things that we need to negotiate and say, I need it this way and I need it this way. And then there's other ways where I'm like, oh, I know this about her. And so I have, I can, I can gift her with understanding that before she needs to say it. I understand this. So rather than an assumption or an obligation, and especially if we're just getting involved with somebody, right? We've known each other for 34 years. So that's like, right. <laughs> um, But, oh, that's a gift, right? I actually see this person. And so I can gift that I can be generous in that way. And there's something about, it's like, I mean, it's almost magical. I, I, I hesitate to use these, but there's this magical quality of, it doesn't always turn into, I need to know myself and I need to say clearly everything I want and need. But actually when I know my own wants, needs and desires, when I know my own body, when I understand my own boundaries so deeply, they actually are transmitted more clearly rather than I just really want someone to come in and know so that I don't have to know. It's not even so much so that I don't have to say it. It's like, so that I don't even have to figure that out for myself. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so again, this like uh, in the no man diet, there are, there are a lot of places. There's, there's like a lot of facets to it, but one part really is this place of diving deeply into, do I even know what I want? Do I know how I want to be treated? Do I know how I want to be spoken to? Do I know how I love to be cared for? Do I even know? Right. So many people don't. So many of us don't. Yes. So many. And again, that's the place of no shame in this. It's actually, I mean, I would call that a beautiful moment of self-discovery. Like, I don't even know how I want to be cared for. Great news. Now you know you don't know. So (laughs) it's not like, oh my God, I can't believe here I am. You know, I'm 30 years old and like self-flagellation, like what a beautiful moment of self-discovery. And then to go like, I am so curious. And I would love to learn how I love to be cared for. Yeah. Yeah. I, that is, I love how you phrase it as a beautiful moment of self-discovery because that's what it is. And, and in my work, flaunt is the acronym and F is find your fetish. And, you know, sometimes people giggle and like, I don't know what my fetish is. And it's like, you're right. And it's not, it's fetish in the broadest sense of the word. And I loved how you said, how do I want to be spoken to? Mm-hmm. Who has ever asked themselves that not a lot of people yeah it's true it's like it's like well I'll know it when I feel it or I know it when it's not that but rather than uh, you know one of the one of the pieces we really work with is like if somebody could actually see at the mm-hmm. deepest level how I'm treating myself would they be learning how to love me yeah and and I, I mean we really look at it like across the board like I mean our own internal thinking certainly our own internal talk is often not the way that we would like another person. No, it's not. (laughs) And so again, not self-judgment, but just like, oh, well, how would I like somebody to speak to me? Okay, well, what if I did just speak to myself that way? Out loud, internally. um, If if my perfect lover were here right now, you know, maybe they would just know to bring me a cup of tea just the way I like it. 
great. Well, maybe I could bring myself a cup of tea just the way I like it. Maybe I would tell my, you know, maybe my perfect lover would be like, get off your phone and get in the shower. Oh, okay. Kendra, get off your phone and get in the shower. Right. (laughs) Right. Start the day. Yeah. It doesn't become like, okay, I'm going to do it all for myself. It's not about trying to handle it. It's like, oh, but do I even know? And can I treat myself that way? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And for for the people who have experienced infidelity, betrayal, so often you hear about self-care. And I personally hate the word self-care because it's so much deeper than that. It's not just about saying, oh, yay, you're going to go get your nails done and it's all better. It's what you're talking about. It's that gift of really knowing what you need. And it is beautiful when somebody knows you well enough that they can bring it to you. But you're right. Unless you can treat yourself to that and figure it out. Wow. I mean, that's self-care. That's self-love. Oh, it's deep. I mean, that's like the deep and it really, because it goes all the way down to like, oh, I would, you know, how do I really care for myself? And I, just like you're saying, if somebody, you know, doesn't know and allowing that to then be this place of curiosity, I would say even approaching that the way we would like our perfect partner or lover to approach us in the sense of if they don't know, what, what is the attitude we would love to, for them to bring to us? Would we love you know, to be laid down in a bed and somebody to say like, I wanna learn, like I would like, I don't know your body yet, yeah. but I would like to learn it. You know, I don't know your favorite foods yet, but I would love to learn if we could treat ourselves like that. Like, wow, you know, my dear little one, like, I don't, I don't actually know yet how you most love to be loved. And I, and we, and, and in some ways, you know, we have often left ourselves if we've, if we've been in an experience of deep betrayal and like, like, oh, I'm so sorry that I also left you. And I would like to get to know you again. Like, who are you now? I'm so curious. Yeah, 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 absolutely. And yes, we leave ourselves so often when we're betrayed because the pain is so deep. And then you couple that with the longing that in my case, I thought I had it all along. I thought I was being loved, but I was being lied to on such a deep level. I didn't get it. So I would reach all the way back to this longing that I thought I had it. And I want to recreate it now. I want it now. I don't want to do the work. I'm in pain. I want it now. I want it now. I want it now. And I really appreciate you wrote a blog about feeling the longing Mm -hmm. that you can feel it and not do anything about it right now. Yeah. And, and it, it's actually, I mean, it's this analogy, I'm going to beat it like a dead horse, but of, well, how would I like my perfect partner to meet my longing yeah. and not necessarily that they try to make it better, right? Like, let me buy you a bunch of presents. I mean, sometimes we like presents, but it's, it's like, actually, if I'm having, you know, grief or longing or a tender part of myself, a lot of times what I want is like, oh yeah, I see, I see that you're tender. Mm-hmm. And I, and I love that you're tender, right? Like, let me hold you while you're tender yes. without needing to change it or fix it or make it go away. And that I do believe that that's one of the really healing processes mm-hmm. really for women across the board. And certainly if there's been betrayal is that place of, Oh, let me, let me hold you, you while you, while you feel this tender. And rather than if we could just get rid of this, these parts, then we would be whole again is like, Oh, but what if I could love those parts too? And say, yeah, you, you know, you're welcome at the table as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's very difficult for a quote unquote, strong, powerful, capable woman to do, yeah. but it is, it takes such strength to oh. do that. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I think that that is probably, and when we really think about like the deep resilience, I mean, that, that, that is the kind of thing that builds this kind of deep, deep strength and resilience. Yeah. And it's this, you know, I think about, again, a woman maybe in this place in herself, either newly or, or maybe not as newly, but the way we build that trust with ourselves and, and I, one of the things that I talk about is, I mean, there's whole processes around like connecting to our intuition or our inner knowing or our felt sense, right? 
Mm-hmm. And these are all slightly different and they point to something very similar and we, we all have the capacity for them. And then what is it to honor that in the smallest possible way? So for instance, if we're talking to someone at a party and we don't want to talk to them anymore, you know, suddenly we're like, I don't really want to be here anymore. And rather than, oh, well, they're doing something weird or, oh, I have to leave the party or, oh, it'd be rude, right? Like, what is the big dramatic thing? It's just, oh, there's some part of me doesn't want to be here. Um, excuse me, I need to use the ladies room. And, mm-hmm. and then we just take that tiny little moment to go, oh, I honored that part. And now I have space to decide what do I want to do next? Yes. I love that breakdown of the smallest part to give yourself the time, because again, we are conditioned, especially in this Western world to know it all. You know, when you graduate from high school at 18, you're supposed to know exactly what you want to do the rest of your life. And you've got to pick the right college and the right major and get the right spouse and live in the right neighborhood. And we're supposed to know 10,000 different things. And when we're not in the present, How do we even know how it feels and how do we give ourselves permission to only know I need a break right now from this person? Yes, exactly. And I I do also believe that that part of us, like it's again, it's not even like the part is strengthened. That part of each of, you know, each of us, each of your listeners, that part is alive and well. Mm -hmm. And then it's the relationship between ourselves and that part that wants to say like, like, oh, not right now, or take this a little slower or take that right turn instead of the left, or you want Mexican tonight, you know, or like what it's just the part that, that, that knows actually, and developing the relationship requires the listening. And so when it's the tiny little thing, and then we say, oh yes, like I hurt you. I heard that you said you didn't want to be there. And I listened and I took a little tiny action on it. That part goes like, oh my God, thank you so much for listening. Like I'll t- now I can, now I can speak a little more freely. Yes. I, relationship is so important because it's the relationship with ourself. It's the relationship with the person that we want to be in relationship with. And I love that you brought it down to relationship with your intuition, relationship with your tender part, relationship with. Yes. Because it is. is, yeah, well, it's so beautiful because it comes right back to the very beginning where part, like, I want to acknowledge that part of what's challenging is when we're truly in relationship, we're not in control. No, we're not. And so even with our intuition, we think like, and then I'll get in touch with my intuition and I'll know everything all the time. But the relationship itself means, oh, I'm going to listen and then I'm going to respond and then I'm going to see what happens and then I'm going to listen and then I'm going to have some, you know, I'm going to respond. And there's, there's actually a dynamic dance, whether it's with ourselves or with another person or a group setting. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that's challenging. That is challenging because then it also begs the question, what if you are feeling something and your head doesn't want to do it? You're getting these red flags. Your intuition is kicking in. You know, this relationship is becoming toxic, but you've got this image in your head that no, 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 no. This was the perfect person. And I've already sold out so much of my soul. I don't want to let it die. Mm. Yeah. So there's two, there's two things that I would say I think are so important. And, and one is, I was like, how am I going to say this? Cause we can't swear. Um, <laughs> I like to say, don't F yourself twice just because you spend a lot of time or money making a decision. Oh, I love that. And it, I often am talking about it in terms of like, if you, you know, maybe you invested in a program and then you're just like, actually, this isn't the path for me. Or you, you know, you did something that's like, okay, do I want to keep sort of dumping time and money and attention into something? Or do I, you know, do I just go like, nope. But I think that's true in this too. It's like, oh, it's not right. But I feel so, maybe I feel embarrassed. Maybe it feels like a waste of time. And I would say, you know, no love is ever wasted. So if we have loved a person, and I would, I would, you know, I mean, I don't want to negate anybody's experience, but I would even say in those realms where if we've been lied to or betrayed, I would just say any love that we have felt or that we have offered is never wasted. Like we, that love is true. Mm -hmm. And I think that that is a beautiful thing to remember. Like I loved, and that is valuable. Yes. Whether it was received or met in, you know, and held and cherished my, my love itself 
is, is valuable. And that I loved is true. Yeah. And, and so if, if we come to that conclusion, we're like, oh, but I, you know, I gave this love or I did this, or, you know, we're making these plans. And then again, to go, it doesn't always have to be big and dramatic. Oh, I need to pause. Maybe we're supposed to move in together and actually I need to slow it down or we're supposed to go out tonight. And I, I actually just need to take a pause so that then I can feel what happens if I say no, what mm-hmm. happens when I change my mind, you know, what happens if I start to slow it down? And this is, I mean, this is certainly relationally, but in boundaries so much is like, we find out so much about another person Yes. And how they respond to us setting some sort of boundary or saying, I need more time for that. Yes. Oh, so important. And I loved again, and I'm going to link your blog um, blog on boundaries and on longing to this show too. So listeners, you can read those, but boundaries in terms of a healthy way to set them versus you can't do that to me. Having the awareness of this is what I need. And in order to get that, this is what I need. Mm -hmm. So boundaries are really a building block in creating the kind of relationship that you want to create. And I'd love for you to say more about when people don't respond to our boundaries, because that's something that comes up a lot in affair recovery. One partner usually has a little bit more insight, a little bit bigger of a picture, and they start working on the boundaries. And then there's that fear. What if my partner isn't there yet? What if they never get there? What if I set this boundary and then it gets breached? Then what? Absolutely. Um, I mean, first I do is I would walk it back to most of the time it's boundaries with ourselves. So there's a way that we, it's like, this is not okay with me, but we will allow that to happen oftentimes without ever even having said it to another person that, mm-hmm. that, that I don't want this in the space, but we're like, no, 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 I don't want that. But then as it starts to happen, we let it happen. And again, I would, I would always say those are moments of self-discovery, right? Like, oh, I'm allowing a boundary to be crossed. Not like, oh my God, I'm so bad. I was on, I was talking to somebody else and they said, I'm so bad with boundaries. And I was like, well, let's just call it unpracticed. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and so it's, it's just that opportunity to, to grow, but to know in ourselves, this is how I will actually ensure that this is so. And so there are the dramatic examples, right? If we say, um, if you keep talking to me that way, I need to end the conversation, mm-hmm. you know, or in order, you know, another way sort of in the positive would be like, in order to continue this conversation right now, like again, it could be, I need us to take five minutes separate and then come back. Um, I need us to not call each other names. You know, I need our tones of voice. Like I need, I need your tone of voice to come down. And so there is that way, like I need this and to know how am I going to make sure that that happens? Like I, I, I am actually, I will walk away and it doesn't mean I'm walking away from the relationship entirely, although it could, Mm -hmm. but it could just mean yeah, actually in order for this conversation to continue, I need us not to call each other names. So I'm sorry, you know, like that happened again. And so I'm going to end the conversation for now and we can pick this up at another time. Yeah. And so there is that place of coming in ourselves of knowing what actually is the boundary and how am I going to make sure that it stays in place? Because we actually cannot ensure that another person will, you know, quote unquote, honor a boundary. Mm-hmm. We can make it very clear and we can know clearly how we will respond. I will say, again, this is this really like tender um, dynamic between really honoring ourselves and knowing when someone is truly behaving in a way that is, uh, is like unworkable. Yes. And understanding that if we have created a dynamic where boundaries are not honored, it may take time. Like that person may want to honor our boundaries and they may have learned over time that we say things and do not hold them. And it may not actually be malicious. Like it might be like, I'm trying to get away with something. I'm hope I want to push her boundaries. I'm trying to cross them. 
So sometimes it is, and I want to honor that there are people like that. Yeah. And a lot of times it's just long-term, you know, like, like over and over, I said, if you do this, I'm going to leave you. And then for 10 years, I didn't. And that person actually like, they don't trust it. They have no reason to trust that that is actually, that we are actually going to honor our word. Mm -hmm. So it may take time for them to learn, oh no, actually now she, she honors her word. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. As you were saying that I was thinking it's interesting too, because family language, like my husband's family language is big and dramatic and loud. And I don't think a lot of the people in his family would even see it as a violation of a boundary because it's just the way their family does it big and loud. And no, you don't mean that. And you're right. It, it takes time that my language is that, yes, I do need that. Yes. And it's that understanding. What is a family language? What's a cultural thing? And what is a real boundary? Yes. And where we say like some in certain circumstances, you know, maybe I don't like yelling around me basically ever, right? which is true for me, but but then you might be in a family where you're like, and that's how the holidays go. And we, and sort of in ourselves, we can say like, okay, so this is how I am going to be able to hold that for myself. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm going to, we're going to drive two cars because I might need to go for a drive, right? I might need to step out. Um, I might still ask, you know, like my mother-in-law or something like, and, and I understand this is how you, and I understand this is actually how you love. And I'm going to ask that you love me this way. Yes. And then start to, to develop that over time. Mm-hmm. Right. So that there is nuance. There are things that's just like, nope, this like never. And then almost everything. I mean, this is sort of the odd thing is like truly almost everything has some place where we're like, well, if it happened like that, you know, like absolutely, it would actually, I would like it. And so that, and that honestly, I think that's what makes boundaries really challenging is it would be really nice if we could just say like, it just lives here all the time and I never have to think about it again, but it's more like, actually it's like this with this person or in this place or you know, in this setting or at this time. Right. Right. And you use the word nuanced. And I just wanted to, again, pull that out and underscore that word too, especially coming from a place of trauma. We seek security. We're okay. When it's the beginning of a relationship or whatever. And Oh yeah, I could be flexible, whatever, blah, blah, blah. We get into trauma. We want to go into fixed guarantees. Yes. And it is nuanced. And even when you're holding that boundary within yourself, it's okay, I believe, to have, again, some nuance in that, that no, I don't want the yelling around me, but in this scenario, I'm seeing this and I can be flexible and considerate because that is the gift that I am honoring in you. I understand that it's raising shame. I understand that the shame is speaking, not you. How can we roll together where I honor your shame and you're honoring this? That's mm-hmm. so oh, beautiful. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's so beautiful. Um, you said one thing that I do want to go back to because this is really common. And again, it's a little like heart before the horse, which is like, I'll be flexible at the beginning of a relationship. And, and I actually think that is the place not to be inflexible, but that's the place to go, oh, actually, I like it like this because we're setting the tone and the dynamic for the entire relationship. And often, again, it's unconscious, but we think like, ah, that's fine, that they just get to do it all the way they like it all the time at the beginning. I'm sure it'll come back around. And a lot of times, again, it's not even malicious on their part. They're just like, I guess she likes it like this because you never say anything. And so the beginning is one of the most fantastic times. Again, it's not about being rigid or unkind or like, you know, hard line, but, but, oh, you know, actually I have an idea where I'd like us to go to dinner tonight, or like, I don't really like to play this game. I'd like to play this game or no, I only have an hour tonight, right? These, you know, those are, they can be very, I'd love to see you. I only have an hour tonight. Mm-hmm. And we set the tone. Oh, we all get to say how things go. And that becomes the underlying dynamic of the relationship. Absolutely. And affairs are caused for many, many, many reasons. So by saying this, I'm not saying that all affairs happen because of this, but one of the dynamics in an affair relationship is that becomes the new relationship 
juxtaposed with the old relationship. So like you said, at the beginning of relationships, when people are more like, I can do this and this is great and it's new, then you get into real life and real responsibilities and bills and in-laws and kids and exhaustion and blah, 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 blah. And that's, that's where it's real. And that's where it matters. And you're right at the beginning of a relationship. That's that whole honeymoon thing. It's all perfect. We all like the same thing. No, we're all just lying. (laughs) Or there's these little, I I always think about this one story. I was in my early twenties and I had gotten out of a pretty long relationship and I was dating this guy that I just thought was like the bee's knees. Like he was so handsome and he was really intelligent. And it's just like, I was really attracted to him. And I remember him one time inviting me to play Scrabble and like, like no big deal, but I feel really dumb when I play Scrabble. It's just not my game. Mm-hmm. But I like my immediate response was to be like, absolutely, I'll play. Like, I would love to get together. And it was true because I would love to get together with him. And Scrabble's not that big of a deal. But it was like this little moment where I just saw I could say, oh, I'd love to see you that night. Could we do something else? Yeah. And it's like these tiny little shifts that then ultimately, again, that kind of foundation of a relationship rather than like, no problem. Yeah. 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 And it's subtle. It's very subtle. Yeah. Yeah. Now I want to go back in that because again, you talked about the subtle shift and earlier we had talked about embodiment and I said, let's put a pin there. So that's why I want to pull this pin out. Now those subtle shifts in embodiment. Sometimes people will hear embodiment and they don't exactly know what it means. They'll be like, yeah, I did yoga while I was sad. Good, but (laughs) it's deeper than that. Will you talk a little bit about what it really means and how to feel it? And maybe even using that as an example, how did your nervous system feel when he said, let's play Scrabble and you were triggered from that? Walk us through that. Let's go there. That's a great question. And, and so one of the places I would encourage, I mean, I think I can use this example. I don't know that I remember exactly. Cause again, it was like right. years ago. <laughs> right. You, you can make it up. <laughs> but, it, and it, but it points to that thing that we were talking about before though, where we start looking at our own behavior and one of the places we can look. And again, it's not, it's nobody's bad and wrong necessarily. It's not even necessarily the wrong relationship. It, but it's a place to look is like, how is my breath? So like that. one of the things is, is, you know, I watch, um, and, and again, it's not even in intimate relationship, but when I'm working with people happened with a one-on-one client the other day, she was talking about something. And I was like, I said, I just want to check, you know, are you feeling anxious? She was like, Oh my God. And, you know, or I, I said, is some part of you doubting that? Or, you know, and I was, I wasn't sure, but I watched her breath go up, 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 up in her chest and her speech get kind of like this, you know? And I thought, what? you know, she's just telling me about something that she's very good at. What, what's happening here? Yeah. So a place for people to look is their breath. And it could be one of those signs. Oh, I don't feel safe. Right. I'm looking at my breath. I'm using it as, as the signal rather than their behavior. Or it could be like, I'm curious what would happen. Like what happens now if I'm with this other person, maybe I'm on a first date. Right. And what happens if I just start to breathe more fully? And, and this goes back to something we talked about before, which is the willingness to pause. Yeah. So often we're like, I got to keep the conversation going or things need to happen, or it's going to be weird if I, you know, take a pause. And again, I'm going to say first dates are the best place to be weird because there's yes. no investment. <laughs> you know? So be your own kind of weird. Don't not mine necessarily, but for me, you know, it, it's not going to work. Like if I can't pause and take a breath, well, we are not life partners. Um, so right. no, right. <laughs> I would just you know, encourage again, that's that moment we might find ourselves leaning forward, right? It's that like, oh, I'm kind of, I've left my seat and I'm leaning forward and I'm carrying the conversation and my breath is going fast and there's this. And sometimes it's just excitement, but it's also like, oh, well, can I feel this excitement? And can I also maybe just lean back slightly and breathe into my belly and look in this person's eyes and then go, and, and now what does that feel like? What does it feel like actually to be with this person with a smooth breath, a little lean back, looking in their eyes? And to me, you know, that's deep embodiment practice. Like that, it takes a lot to be with a person like that. <laughs> it doesn't have to be five minutes of eye gazing, you know? <laughs> right, right. Yeah. No, but, but then that, then it's provocative. 
And, you know, I, I use a lot of burlesque in my work because it's that provoking what next, what next. And I think if you sit back and do exactly what you said, a variety of answers could come forward. One of those answers might be, I feel less than, and I'm excited and I'm trying to carry the conversation forward. So he doesn't notice Mm -hmm. it could be, I really want to rush this relationship. Mm. It could be, I'm just really excited and I'm enjoying this and this feels good. Wow. Let's keep, I mean, there's a lot of reasons why you might be excited. It could be fear-based. It could be love-based. It could say something about you. Absolutely. And I love the way that even some of the examples you gave could work together. It could be like, I like him so much that I, I, I'm afraid I'm less than, so then I'm trying to prove and they weave together, right? Like, Oh, okay. And And it gives us that opportunity to go, well, what am I actually curious about this person? Or have I been carrying the conversation? Which again, doesn't mean that they can't, but maybe I haven't even given them the opportunity to, if I lean back and I pause for a minute, maybe they will ask a really interesting question. I don't know yet because I've been so busy carrying the conversation. Mm -hmm. So giving that kind of a space to find out what is actually here. Mm -hmm. And in some way, uh, it's not about deciding what dynamic we want, but giving some room for there to be a dynamic, for instance, where maybe they come forward rather than that I'm always the one that leans forward and, and carries, which they might love to do, but I may not have given them the chance to do. Mm-hmm. So part of what I mean by embodiment is sort of actually checking in some ways, it's very simple in that sense of my physical body. My, is my physical body lean forward? Yes. Some of it's energetic, right? Is my energetic body sort of falling forward out of my space? Mm-hmm. Um, our, you know, our breath, our breath really is such a beautiful place to just check yes. where, and, and not even, is it good or is it bad? Is it high? Is it short? But like, where is my breath moving freely and where might it feel a little caught? And what would it be to bring more fluidity? to the places where it feels a little stuck mm-hmm. and what else ultimately what it leads to is what else does that require of me and what else happens in this scenario or dynamic when I take the time to do that. Yes. And that is where I believe true healing occurs. I was able to work with my husband to repair our marriage. We have a much better marriage after the infidelity. That is a gift for me. It could have gone the other way and it wouldn't have mattered. What would have mattered and what was so profound about it was that embodiment piece, was that ability to sit there and say, I can breathe and I can be wounded and I will still survive versus I'm not going to hear it. I'm not going to listen. I'm going to keep it up here. And I think that's important for anybody listening to the show as you're, as D-Day is happening, as you're learning things about your spouse, as you're learning things about you, as you're sitting in that confusion to be able to be tender and to breathe and to notice, I like how you said, where is my energetic body going? Because in fight, flight, or freeze, it's out of here. Yes. Yeah. So the breath, I mean, the breath that again, does get very connected to those kind of habitual responses. And so it can be, I mean, I think that's one of the reasons that, that it's, it's not necessarily the end, the end all be all, but it's, we always have it. Yeah. And so it's that really simple access point that actually can be like a gateway into wherever we are right now. Absolutely. And, And then from there, if we're in the place that we actually are right now, then we can make a decision. And where do I want to go? but we're often trying to make a decision like what do I want next or where do I want to go not being where we are. And we, we can't actually make that decision from a place we aren't yet. Yes. It's all, it's, it's such a spiral journey that we have to stay in the present and we have to stay in our bodies and we have to think to know things and learn to get the tools, but then how to apply those tools in the moment. And it's, it's complex relationships are complex. And in, like we said earlier, it's the relationship with ourselves, with others, with our body, with our breath. It's, there's a lot of layers. There's a lot of layers. 
that it's just something about you saying that right now. I thought, oh, it's um, it's so helpful to recognize, right? We think we're like, I would just like to have a relationship with this person. And it should, it could be simple, right? It's just like, and actually, even just in a relationship one-to-one like that, there's already their relationship with themselves, my relationship with myself, like our really <laughs> our relationship with them, their relationship with the present moment, my, you know, and it's like, wow, we're actually having like a very complex relationship. <laughs> already. Right. And yeah. we don't see it. And and that's part of it too. And that that's another reason that I love using the burlesque analogy in my work. You see my external, you see my clothes, you don't see my undergarments. Do I have spanks holding myself in to make Mm -hmm. me look a little bit different? You can't see that. And it's very complex. And I believe that we are raised to think relationships are easy Mm -hmm. and we're not trained in it. And that's what I appreciate so much about your work is it is complex and it's deep and it's delicious, but it does take that pause and it does take the noticing and it, it takes a lot. Yeah. I'm, it's interesting. I'm finding myself wanting to, to, it almost feels like a left turn, but wanting to kind of drop in here. Came up earlier. I had this thought around as we're learning to trust ourselves is really leaning in to the realm of friendship. And that can be one of those realms of learning, like, this is what feel, this is actually what feels good. It may not be sexual romantic relationship, but, oh, this is how I like to be treated. Or I can feel what my body feels like when I feel safe or when I am trusting or when I let go. And so again, I mean, there's the, re- there's the friendship itself, the relationship, but there's also what, what can I learn about myself? by leaning into friendship in this way and and so using that as this point to reflect back on oh I can actually learn what it's not a one-to-one right because I don't necessarily want my intimate relationship to feel like a friendship although I want part of it to feel like a friendship right so but there is this sense of of allowing for my own self and what what that actually feels like and there's something about I watch so many times and it really does come more often with, with what I'll just call trauma Yeah, is where, and especially women is, um, it's like this interesting correlation between over trusting almost when it's not called for and then under trusting when actually it, it truly is a moment they could trust. And there's this ping-ponging back and forth, right? Again, it almost is like proving, oh, oh, I'm such a, I'm so horrible at trusting. I should have trusted more there. And then over here, like, see, I can't trust at all because that person just totally screwed me over again. Yes. And, and, and often not quite, you know, so there is that place of learning, actually learning, no, where is it appropriate to lean into trust and where is it not? And our friends are so important in that realm, whether they're, women friends or men friends, you know, but someone who can say like, you don't seem happy. You, or the, you know, like you seem like you have spanks on all the time, right? (laughs) (laughs) whatever that analogy, like, like, you know, I don't want to tell you what to do and I want the best for you. And I just like, I got to just say like, there's something I don't like about this, or there's a way that I see you constantly doing what they want, even when it's not what you want. And I don't like it. And, and learning that place to actually lean in to go like, kind of maybe I can trust that person seeing and then find where that is also self-trust. Yeah. I don't exactly know if the right words will come out as I say this, because it's more of a feeling that's flowing through, but there's something about what you said with women over and under trusting. There's like this feeling that if we self-sacrifice to a certain point, we become more worthy. Mm. And in a friendship, We don't have that, but in a relationship, we want to be that self-sacrificing, you know what I mean? Like I did this for you Mm. and I'm not quite sure where that comes from, or if I'm, if I'm verbalizing it correctly, but there's something that's like satisfying in a way Mm -hmm. in that female dynamic of like, I did this for you. I gave it all for you. Yeah, it, that is an interesting thing to point to. It kind of goes back to this thing you said earlier, 
of, you know, if you've been in a relationship and maybe you've invested a lot and then you're starting to see things and you're kind of like, oh, but I don't know. And um, I, it's a little bit of a weird thing to say, but my, all of my work is really based on choice. So I'm always going to say like, you can stay if you want, that is absolutely a choice, but I would encourage people to make it conscious. So this thing that you just said around, like, I gave it all for you. um, It might be something explicit with that person, right? You might make it explicit. Like I'm going to give everything to you and you're going to, you know, you could make it explicit with them, but even if it's just with yourself, I do think that, that if things maybe don't go the way we want, or it doesn't come back to us the way we thought it would, if we've, if we've chosen it a little more consciously, we can go like, oh yeah, actually I, I kind of knew what I was doing and maybe I do want to do it again, or maybe I don't, but like, I actually knew that I wasn't asking for what I wanted and I, and I was self-sacrificing in a way and it, there's ways it felt good and there's ways it didn't. And, but we can make it a little more conscious. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because then it is we do, we are sovereign beings. (laughs) Nobody, there was this great meme and I can't remember exactly what it was, but it was something to the effect of the most painful realization is when you realize you gave it all for somebody else who never asked you to give it in the first place. Yes. Yeah. So you're right. As long as you are owning that, I am going to be the self-sacrificial whatever, and I'm going to change the world. And it didn't work out, but that was my choice to lean in. Yeah. And sometimes to recognize like what we get out of it. Yeah. And that, and that, but again, if we're honest, if we're more consciously honest about it, I think we can do that more clearly. We can be like, actually, I kind of like being, you know, and, and, it, and, it, and it's just tricky. It's like, it's like, sometimes I like sacrificing in this way, but oh, actually when I start looking at it more clearly, I don't want to do it over here. That one doesn't feel good. I, I sort of thought I liked sac- self-sacrificing like across the board, but I'm noticing actually I like it here and I don't like it here. And here's this person and I'm, and I'm going to go in eyes wide open and I'm going to maybe even again to my friends, I'm going to name like, not sure about this part, not sure about this part, but I'm going to give it my all for this reason. And then if this part and this part, you know, turn into fully blown issues, we can go like, yeah, I did kind of see them. I made a choice. I tried. And it doesn't mean it won't hurt, but like, but here's where I'm going to go from that, from there. Yeah. Which is perfect. Rather than like, la, 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 you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, which is something that I hear a lot from the women in recovery. I will always question myself if I didn't give it my all. So I'm going to give it this one last push. Valid. As long as you're claiming I am giving it this one last push, I am giving it my all. Now I will know. And sometimes, again, not that we will know specifically like exactly what will show us what's clear. But I think there's some way of, of having that clarity too. Like what, how will I, not that we'll ever necessarily know I gave it my all per se, but I remember I was in a relationship and there were a lot, again, we had hurt, we both hurt each other a lot. Right. And, and there, there was definitely some betrayal. And, and I remember this point where I came to that person and I said, look, I think like, you know, we got in this relationship for these reasons. Like we did these things together. For, there, there's actually a reason and I know we've hurt each other and like, I want us to go all in right in these ways in order for that. And they basically said, I don't ever want to make another agreement to you because like, and they sort of had their, and to me, I was like, Oh, that is so clear. Like I cannot be in this relationship if there are no agreements. And I was also so glad that I went really clearly to kind of make that last stand. Yes. And in some way I'm grateful that he gave me back such a clear, like, so no. again, somebody else might say like, yes, I would like to try too. And then two weeks later, they would be doing the same thing that they did before. And that might be the clarity, right? That'd be the thing like, okay, I know they want to, they might actually like, they want to be able to give that to me. And they literally cannot, mm-hmm. which is so helpful again to go like, it's not, it's not even, it's first of all, it's not about me, but it's not even about whether they love me. They might actually love me a lot and they might really want, like maybe they wanted to be uh, you know, faithful to me. And maybe they wanted to keep all their promises and they like literally can't. Right. Which says nothing about you or your worth or your lovability or anything. 
Yeah. And then you just are able to see, you can lay that out clearly on the table and be like, yes, and I cannot be in that relationship. Even if they love me completely and they want to be able to give it to me, if they cannot, I cannot be in that relationship. And that's boundaries, right? Self-boundaries. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Which is very loving and very kind to everybody involved. Yes. Yes. Kendra, I feel like I could talk to you all day and I feel like we could have 400 different deep dives (laughs) on so many different things. Um, Where can listeners learn more about you, read some of your blogs, get a flavor for your work? Yeah, the easiest place is to go to kendrakunov.com and there's all kinds of things you can find there, but there's definitely a whole blog section and most of them link to videos, you know, which is, is also nice to be able to see somebody how they're actually um, speaking. And that's probably the best way I'm easy to, I mean, it's great having a name like Kendra Krunov because you can find me on social media really easily. <laughs> yes, yes, you can. <laughs> yeah. And I will put all of the links in the show notes, but listeners, please ponder this show. Please take that pause that we were talking about and just sit with it and think and go back and maybe listen again. Don't rush, just pause, breathe, check in with your breath, do everything that we mentioned and just give it time to percolate down into your soul, into your heart. Reach out to Kendra. If you've got any questions, I can also help connect you. Have an amazing week. And as usual, always remember to flaunt exactly who you are because who you are is always more than enough. Tune in next time to Flaunt. Find your sparkle and create a life you love after infidelity or betrayal with radio host and live choreographer Laura Cheadle every Wednesday at 7 a.m. and 7 p.m. Eastern Time on syndicated Dream Vision 7 Radio Network. Develop naked self-worth and reclaim your confidence, enthusiasm, and joy so you can create a life you love and embrace who you are today. Download your free Sparkle Through Betrayal Recovery Guide at NakedSelfWorth.com. 